Hey everyone, my name is Dustin Elliott and welcome back to another episode of the Better Questions Better Life podcast, formerly known as the Y2 podcast. Each week I try and answer a simple but important question, how can we ask better questions to live better lives? To do that, I bring you dedicated episodes where I break this question down into bite-sized, thought-provoking and tactical episodes really focused on helping you ask better questions, pulled from industry experts, science, philosophy, as well as my own observations and learnings. I also find and interview a range of industry-leading professionals who all depend on asking good questions in order to achieve their work. So from police detectives, journalists, scientists, medical professionals, qualitative researchers, data scientists, and many more to glean the lessons and techniques they use to successfully do their job and help us ask better questions. As always, I want to take a quick minute and thank the Better Questions, Better Life podcast sponsor, YZ. YZ is an easy-to-use online training software that makes it so simple to create and deliver online learning. The YZ platform is very flexible and you can use it to automate a whole range of tasks in your business from managing all of your employee training, training customers and partners in your products, tracking licenses and qualifications of your staff, creating and selling online courses, capturing more leads with free online courses and so much more. So if any of that sounds even remotely interesting, then I really suggest you jump over to their website at yz.com, that's w-y-z-e-d.com, to check out some videos and even get started with your own 14-day free trial. Remember, if you like these episodes and you want to hear more and you haven't done already, make sure you hit that subscribe button to the Better Questions, Better Life podcast, wherever you find your podcast. The button ain't going to hit itself, so make sure you do that if you like it. And as you hear on every other podcast out there, we love if you can leave us a five-star review if you haven't already. Of course, you can jump over to the website at betterquestionsbetterlife.co where you can find links, resources, soon to be a blog, putting together some really cool projects as well at the moment uh, to help you ask better questions outside of the podcast and all that other good stuff. So make sure you check it out and stay tuned. Of course, you can always join in on the conversation on our Facebook page, Instagram, and the other social media handles. And you're going to find us at Better Questions Better Life. Uh, you can also follow along on social media media and because uh, if that if that uh, name's a little too long then we're going to try and dominate the hashtag bqbl so hopefully we're going to blow that up with lots of really cool conversations and uh, again if you want to find us that would probably be the easiest way but with that being said though let's get right into it for today we're going to go back and pick up on a previous topic we spoke about but on today's episode and over the next coming weeks we're going to start to get our hands a little bit dirtier as we learn how we can ask better questions to live a better life And specifically, we're going to pick up on what I believe are some of the biggest barriers when it comes to being able to ask good questions, and that's cognitive bias. So over today's episode and over the coming weeks, I'm going to approach a range of different cognitive biases to help us learn exactly what they are, how they affect us, and obviously talk about some strategies that we can use to overcome this. So for today, I want to focus on confirmation bias. Now, I'm going to read right from Wikipedia, just so we're all on the same page in terms of we probably all learned a lot about different uh, cognitive biases and confirmation bias was certainly one to come up. But I want to go back to Wikipedia. Let's go right back to the beginning and make sure that we're all on the same page and obviously fill maybe some gaps in that time has left. So according to Wikipedia, and I quote, confirmation bias is the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, 
and recall information in a way that confirms one pre-existing beliefs or hypothesis. People display this bias when they gather or remember information selectively or when they interpret it in a biased way. The effect is stronger for emotionally charged issues or for deeply entrenched beliefs, end quote. So essentially in synopsis, the confirmation bias is when we want to uh, look for, favor, and recall information that we like and supports our pre-existing beliefs. Very much the opposite of what we need to do as spouses, significant others, bosses, colleagues, friends, families, and everything else in between. Now, I want to use a, a bit of an example um, to, to really talk about why I believe uh, confirmation bias is, is so damaging, it's so devastating when it comes to being able to take off our blinders of life and be able to ask questions with the ultimate goal of obviously learning and understanding something that we maybe didn't before. And for that, I want to use something that I think is really topical in today's day and age, and that is really looking at the world of politics and the ever-increasing polarization that has come about. This is really for anybody that has been watching the news recently anywhere in the world. Now, interestingly enough, when I was doing some research to really understand this a little bit more, um, I started looking at some research that had come about a couple of years ago. I'll make sure I include again all the links on the Y2 podcast website from the show notes. But it was interesting to note that Fox News, which is typically a right-leaning uh, news source, over the last few years has been dominated by viewers who predominantly lean towards, again, that Republican view. And further research is showing a, golor, excuse me, a growing polarization towards these sources across the political spectrum. So on the left, it's becoming more polarized. People are going there. And on the right, again, it's going uh, the same way. Now, I want to be clear that this is obviously just a really quick observation. This isn't about U.S. politics, the trend of news media. And in fact, there's literally a whole podcast and genres out there dedicated to that. But it's just a quick example of different people that have those pre-existing beliefs, again, in this case, certain political views, will typically, again, gravitate to the sources that certainly align with that and provide that. And this trend is only ever increasing. Another example, something a little bit more subtle, but something that's probably a little bit more relevant to our day-to-day -day lives, and we don't even realize it, is really around social media. So some analysis about social media's algorithms is really showing that these algorithms are constantly feeding us content that satiates that confirmation bias, things we like, things we understand and we agree and agree with us, and that confirmation bias is really effectively creating a feedback loop, or as I've heard some people call it, an echo chamber around our pre-existing beliefs. But whether it be TV sources or obviously our social media, the confirmation bias can really rob us of those meaningful conversations, the small one and the big ones, which help to enrich our lives. And like I spoke about last week, we're not in these instances talking necessarily, while they're important, about those easy coffee shop conversations. We're talking about real, sometimes very challenging conversations that really help us to connect and understand in life. And to me, that's really about what good questions are all about. Now, I want to come in on a quick side note here because I did find this interesting. And again, I don't want this to be the Debbie Downer of podcasts that this confirmation bias isn't actually always a bad thing. Uh, for example, some research I found showed that, for example, a more optimistic person will notice and remember many instances of people being nice to them. And this will affirm this belief of himself or herself. 
or if somebody's pessimistic, the truth also remains that they'll remember instances of negativity, and this will reaffirm the view of himself or herself. So maybe it uh, does have a place in the world, this confirmation bias, but certainly not in our conversations. It's all right. So this is just a start, and uh, this is a really quick overview of confirmation bias. It's a, I, I believe it's a pretty simple concept to understand. It's really being able to understand it on, on a, a much more deeper level, and that's what I'll talk about here in a moment. But I certainly do encourage you to check out more resources and do your own research to dive a little bit deeper. Uh, but for those of you on the go and you don't have time, then this is, I think, a good starting place, and this is really what you need to really start to make that change. But from here, I want to talk now about a few strategies that I can recommend and I've come across to try to combat this. And what I want to do to, as we talk about this is look at the three different aspects, three different areas in which confirmation bias can seep in. That's before our conversation, during our conversation, and after our conversations. So the first thing is, in terms of the preparation aspect, is... When you're preparing questions to ask questions, or if you're maybe bringing a bit of an argument to someone, it's really important to actually actively take on the counter argument or counterpoint, and maybe actually even try to debate yourself and use that opportunity to refine your questions beforehand. This active exercise is a really good antidote to confirmation bias, and this is especially true when we look at it amongst groups, where Specifically, the exercise here is often referred to as devil's advocate, uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about some of these similar strategies uh, later, uh, but using this beforehand is a really, really good idea in terms of actively taking on an opposing viewpoint. And also during a conversation, but maybe more importantly after, as remember that confirmation bias affects us also when we recall information. It helps to have some sort of strategy to record that information and the things that were discussed. Sometimes, uh, and probably what most people do, it can be as something simple as a pad and paper. It could be somebody else taking notes, uh, or it could be recording the chat or using apps that record and transcribe these conversations. But as always, especially with the latter ones, make sure you get permission first. And lastly, but maybe most importantly, uh, something that touches on all three stages, and that is simply just to have the knowledge about confirmation uh, bias and start to cultivate an awareness of when it comes into our lives so we can start checking these instances and combating this bias. Something I found really beneficial uh, is to be aware of that subtle feedback effect that is given in your body and what I really can describe as that physical discomfort or a feeling of frustration. I usually feel it in my stomach. And that is when I know my confirmation bias is activated. Uh, being tuned in and aware of this feeling, I believe, is one of the most powerful tools that you can use to combat cognitive biases by just simply becoming aware of when it's activated. And obviously from there, you can start to make more of a deliberate cognitive choice around how you're approaching that conversation and maybe sometimes leading into those awkward or frustrating moments uh, because again that's really when your cognitive biases is, is almost pushing against you to stop or maybe defend yourself uh, or your ego and lastly uh, something I've said before and I promise I'm gonna say it again but it's really about all of these things it's about practice I'm guessing and I get this off a few conversations I had beforehand with a few people, that this concept is really nothing new. 
Most of you have probably learned about confirmation bias at some point. But the problem is, is that so often, like many things we learn, it goes to the top of the mental bookshelf and it just effectively collects dust uh, because we don't think about it or uh, bring it up very often. So what I want you to do through these exercises is really to bring it off the top of that mental bookshelf. Turn it around, dust it off, and make sure it's facing out at eye level to use it every opportunity to cultivate that awareness of confirmation bias. And then from there, once you have that, again, whether it be your guts or just whatever practice else you, you, you learn and you cultivate and you practice, from there you can then use those strategies we've spoke about. As again, I've said before, and I'll say it again, it's something I truly believe in my life. It's that we fall to the level of our training. We don't rise to the level of our hopes. So it's practice, practice, practice. And with that being said, I'll speak to you soon. Hey everyone, thank you so much again for listening to today's episode. Just remember, if you want to join in on the conversation, make sure you jump over to the social media handles. You're going to find us at Better Questions, Better Life on Facebook, Instagram, BQBL underscore on the Twitter. Of course, you can make sure you jump into the hashtag BQBL. Of course, you can check out our website at betterquestionsbetterlife.co. And I obviously, I want to take a quick minute again and thank our sponsor, YZ. Make sure you get started with your own 14-day free trial at yz.com. That's w-y-z-e-d.com. With that being said, speak to you next time.